The sixth chapter of Hilchas Tain the law of plaintiff and defendant, regarding financial claims. This para contains eight halachas and deals with various possible claims one party can have against another. Perek Shishi, the sixth, sixth chapter, Halacha Aleph. Bali Dinim Shabola Bezdin. When two parties come to court, Tona Echadva Omar, one party claims, Mona Yeshli Eitzel Zeshil Vesiv, that this person owes me a hundred that I lent him. Or the hundred that I deposited with him for safekeeping, or that he stole a hundred from me. Or that he owes me for wages that I deserve to be paid. And so to any similar claim. And the defendant answers him, but he says, I don't owe him anything. I have nothing of his. Or you are claiming falsely. In any of these cases, the answer of the defendant is not a proper answer. What does it mean, not a proper answer? It's not that we don't believe him. It's that he has not correctly answered the claim against him. The court therefore tells the defendant, You must answer his claim and explain your answer just like he explained his claim against you. You have to say whether you borrowed from him or not. He says that you borrowed money, answer him and say that you did not borrow money. Answer him as to what you mean. And so to hifkir eflacha oi Did he deposit something with you or not? Gazalte oi gazalte. Did you steal something or not? Scharte oi scharte. Did you hire him or did you not? Became sharatainu, so to any other claim. It is insufficient to merely say that you don't owe him any money. You must directly deny and answer the claim against you. Why is it, after all, that we don't accept his answer? It is likely that when he says he doesn't owe him anything, that really he means he never borrowed or it was never deposited and so on. Why is it that the Bezdet has to clarify his answer? Perhaps, actually, he is making a mistake, as the Rambam will now explain. He thinks that he really does not owe any money, and therefore says, I don't owe. Whereas, halachically, he does owe money. And he will come to make a false oath, because he will swear that he does not owe any money. Because his understanding is that he doesn't owe money. But it could be, according to Torah law, he does owe money, and his oath will be a false one. It's perhaps, perhaps this defendant actually did borrow money. The plaintiff says that you borrowed money, and the defendant knows that he did borrow money. However, perhaps the defendant returned the loan to pay it back, not to the lender himself, but to the son or the wife of the lender. And he thinks that was sufficient, whereas halakhically, this could very well not be sufficient. Or perhaps the defendant gave a gift to correspond to the loan, to the debt he had. For example, he borrowed $100. And later on, instead of paying back $100, he gives a gift worth $100. And he thinks himself that he is now exempt from repaying this loan. Whereas, halachically, the loan is considered one thing and the gift another. And therefore we tell him 
How could you say any chayev klum that you don't owe anything? Shema'atam is chayev minadin. Perhaps you were required according to the law to pay. They not to your day, and you just don't know that you really required al Allah to pay. But rather tell the judges clearly what you mean. And they'll tell you whether you have to give or not. And even if the defendant here is a very great sage, we still tell him, You have nothing to lose by answering his claim. Explain to us then, let us know how it is you don't owe him anything. Is it because you claim nothing ever happened between you? Or because you did borrow money, but you returned it to him? Because we rule by the law of what one could say in any possible place. In other words, as the Ramam will explain at the end of the halacha, if someone says that I don't owe you anything, it doesn't mean necessarily that it never happened. It could mean that he returned it. It could mean any number of things. And we always give the person the benefit of the doubt that perhaps he meant this other thing. If this would make it that he would not be lying. Therefore, we ask even the Chacham Gadol to directly answer the claim against him. The same thing applies for the claims of the plaintiff. That he claims and says, this person owes me a hundred. Or, he has a hundred of mine. The court tells him, how is it that he owes you money? Is it that he borrowed money from you, or that you deposited something with him, or that he damaged some of your property? Tell us how it is he owes you money. Perhaps you only think he owes you money. But who ain't a chayev, where in reality he does not owe you money. For example, the plaintiff suspects the defendant of having stolen from him. Or when, when the person promised, he said he was going to give a hundred or something similar. The person plaintiff feels that he is owed money over here, whereas halachically he's not. If he only is chayshed, the person borrowed from him. <coughs> or he was promised to be given a gift. These are not binding things. They are not binding statements. Dharamba mentioned earlier that we always give the person the benefit of the doubt regarding their claim. From here to the end of the halacha, the Ramam deals with the specific case of someone who was huchza kafran, whose dishonesty has been proved by means of even giving him the benefit of the doubt regarding his claim. Nevertheless, he comes out to be a liar. The Ramam has referred to this halacha several times in the past parakim. Let's say the plaintiff claims that he lent 100. The defendant answers him and says, Such a thing never happened. There was no such loan. And afterwards, the plaintiff brings witnesses that he lends money in front of them in their presence. And after seeing these witnesses, the defendant changes his mind. He says, The truth is, like you say, that I did borrow money. However, I paid it back. Now, if he just would have said paraiti in the first half, in the first hand, then he would be believed, since one is not required to pay back in the presence of witnesses. But over here, 
Originally, he said, which implies that he never borrowed any money. It was proved that he did borrow money. Now he cannot claim that he borrowed and paid it back. We don't accept this claim anymore. He has already been proven to be a dishonest person, not to be trusted. And therefore, he is required to pay back the money. But if he says a more innocent statement, that I am not responsible, or I don't know, I don't have anything of yours, or that you're, claim, that you're making a false claim against me, so to any similar case. And just as we mentioned before, the plaintiff now brings witnesses to say that, they let, that he barred in their presence. And then in this case, the defendant changes his mind, so to speak, and says, Cain, are you? The truth is, yeah, I did borrow money. But he says, however, I returned this, this object you entrusted to me, or I already paid off the loan. In this case, and he has not been proven to be dishonest, and therefore, we still allow him to take a rabbinic oath, and thereafter exempt himself. In the case in the first half, he said, which means that he never borrowed any money. Later on, after the witnesses said he did borrow, he changed his mind. But he's already hooks like Kafran. He has already been, that his statement has already been denied by two witnesses. And we believe the two witnesses rather than him. And therefore, his claim is completely invalid. However, in the second case, he said a more innocent statement. He says, I, ain't, I am not chayiv to him. Or something else which could be translated various ways, as we mentioned earlier in the halacha. Therefore, we always assume that it was in a kosher way, and therefore he has not hukhsakafan and is allowed to take an oath and thereafter collect. Excuse me, is thereafter exempt. Halacha base. Adim's witnesses saw that one person was counting out money to give to another. They didn't know what this money was, whether it was given as repayment, whether it was a loan. What was this money? What was this transaction? The Tomva Bedin, one party, brought the other one to court for Amarle, and he says, Ten li ma Give me the money that I lent to you. That money you gave to me as a gift, it wasn't a loan. Or, when you gave me this money, it wasn't you lending me. You were paying me back for money which you owed me. He is believed and takes a rabbinic oath and is thereafter exempt. Since the witnesses are not really contradicting his testimony, the witnesses merely saw a transaction and he has an explanation for it. Let's say, But he says, no, nothing ever happened over here. I, I never received money from you. And then come witnesses who testify that money was counted out and given to him in their presence. In that case, he is proven to be dishonest and therefore must pay. A person is not considered to be definitely dishonest until he makes his kfir his denial in the court should he make his denial elsewhere he is never going to be called and furthermore and later on two witnesses should come and contradict him in the very thing which he denied that they must be a direct case of denial not like the beginning of this halacha where they claim that money was transacted and he says that there was money transacted, but it was for another purpose. Since that's not a direct contradiction, he is not Huxa Kafr. Halacha Gimel. 
The plaintiff claims that I lent you a hundred. And the defendant denies this claim in court and says, no, that not, such a thing never happened. There was no such transaction. And now come two witnesses and make a claim which support in a way neither the plaintiff nor the defendant. Along come two witnesses that testify that he did borrow from him a hundred. However, he paid it back. So on the one hand, they are saying that the defendant does not owe any money. On the other hand, they are saying that he did borrow money in the first place. However, the lender claims, the plaintiff claims that he was never paid. So in this case, the, def- the witnesses are not saying the same as the plaintiff because they say he paid back. And the plaintiff say he says he wasn't paid. On the other hand, they don't say like the defendant either because the defendant says, said that not, nothing ever happened. Whereas they say he borrowed money and paid. What is the law? This defendant is required to pay. Why? Anyone that says he didn't borrow. And along come witnesses that say that he did borrow. It is as if he has said that he did not pay it back. Because since he says he didn't borrow, why should he pay back in the first place? So we don't even get to the step to discuss the Piroi and the repayment since he says he didn't borrow money in the first place. Since he, he himself, it is as if he says he didn't pay it back because he says he didn't borrow. How can his testimony be supported by these witnesses who are saying that he did pay it back? He himself is claiming that he didn't pay it back because he says he didn't borrow in the first place. So it turns out the borrower says that he didn't pay back because he said he never borrowed. The witnesses say he did pay back. Now how can this, how can he overpower the witnesses? How can the witnesses overpower him? The principal is that if a person admits himself, it is considered like the testimony of a hundred witnesses. So his saying that he did not pay back, it is as if a hundred witnesses say he did not pay back. Two witnesses say he did pay back. We don't listen to that part of their testimony. But since he says he didn't borrow, it's as if he said he didn't pay, and therefore like a hundred witnesses say he didn't pay. Furthermore, the lender does not have to take even an oath in order to collect because this person has been determined to be a, a dishonest person. He is Huxa Kafran. And the Rambam holds that in any case where someone is Huxa Kafran, the other party does not have to swear in order to collect. And so to another case of Huxa Kafran, So too that a person produced the writing a document of the defendant that he owes money. The defendant says such a thing never happened. Ah, you have a piece of paper? This is not my handwriting, it was forged. So, if it should be determined in court that this is his writing, or witnesses come and testify that it is his handwriting, so to in this case, he has been determined to be a dishonest person, he's Hoxha Kafran, and is therefore required to repay the amount indicated in the document. I lent you a hundred, a mona, and it is still in your possession. The defendant answers, Didn't I pay you back in front of this and this person? 
these witnesses come, and they say, No such thing happens. We don't remember anyone paying you back in our presence. In this case, he has not been determined to be dishonest. Because he is not directly, completely contradicting the testimony of these witnesses. Because witnesses are not expected to remember except things which they are required to testify regarding. And in this case, since anyone is not required to pay back in the presence of witnesses, they thought that their testimony was irrelevant, and therefore they cannot be expected to remember it. And therefore he has not been determined to be dishonest. And therefore the borrower merely takes a rabbinic oath. The so-called borrower, he claims that he didn't borrow. This person takes a rabbinic oath he didn't borrow, and thereafter is exempt. And by a similar case, one person claims, give me the hundred that I lent you. And if you don't remember, you were standing right next to such and such a pillar when I lent you the money. And the defendant says, not only I didn't borrow money, that I never ever stood next to this pillar. What are you saying? I borrowed money from you. I never stood next to such a pillar. And along come witnesses that not, te- not that they testified to the loan, but they testified that he once stood next to this pillar. So we might think that he is directly contradicting the testimony of the witnesses. The witnesses say that he stood next to a pillar. And he said he never stood next to such a pillar. You might think he's Hoch Sakafran, so that Ram says no. Loy Hoch Sakafran. He has not been determined to be dishonest. A person does not concentrate on things which have no importance. Therefore, we cannot hold him responsible for saying that he never stood by that pillar. How is he supposed to remember if he ever stood by this pillar or not? It's something which is aimed by Mammish, it has no importance whatsoever, therefore he is not considered responsible to remember it. So too, any similar case. And now the Rambam gives the actual role of witnesses regarding the repayment of a loan. Allah ha'hei, the plaintiff says, give me the hundred I lent you, and here are the witnesses that you borrowed the money. The defendant answers, I paid you back, and I have witnesses for it. The court tells the borrower, bring your witnesses that you already paid back, and then you will be exempt from further payment, and even exempt from taking an oath to say that you paid. However, let's say he was not able to produce the witnesses, or the witnesses have died, or they have traveled to another land, and it's impossible to get them here for testimony. Then they merely take a rabbinic oath that they already paid back, and they are exempt from further repayment. Because we only required him to bring these witnesses to clarify his words and to exempt them even from taking an oath. Because even someone that borrows money in the presence of witnesses does not have to pay back in the presence of witnesses. As the Rambam explained in the 11th chapter of Ilchas Malva Since he does not require to pay back in the presence of witnesses, we ask him to bring the witnesses as something extra so there should be no disagreement whatsoever. But if he does, then nevertheless, his claim that he is repaid can be substantiated by an oath and he is thereafter exempt. Allah Chavav. 
if a person said in the presence of witnesses to another that you have a hundred of mine, and Omar Lehain, the person admitted, says, yeah, I do owe you a hundred. And the next day, the plaintiff brings him to court and he produces his witnesses. And the witnesses say that we heard him say that he does owe money. And that when we bring the defendant and ask him, do you owe money? But he says, I was only fooling with you. And I don't really owe anything at all. I was making a joke. You asked me and I told you, yeah, yeah, I owe you a hundred. But I never borrowed any money. I was just fooling. Potter, he is exempt. After he takes a rabbinic oath, that he does not owe any money. Furthermore, even if he says that no such thing ever happened, that there were no witnesses to begin with, I never gave test. I never said that I owed you money in the presence of witnesses. Shari, why is this even such a claim believed? Shari, lay Omar lehem atem eidai. Because he never said that you are my witnesses. These people have not been designated as witnesses. And the financial matters, it's not only if they were in the presence when the financial transaction took place, they must have responsibility as witnesses. They must be point, appointed as witnesses and told atem eidai. You are my witnesses. Since this was not done, the something which is not really testimony, a person does not remember. When does he remember? When he knows that he is a witness. Since in this case he didn't know he was a witness, because he hasn't been told, he cannot be expected to remember what was said. And therefore we do not take his word any more than we do that of the defendant. For that reason, if, even if he claims that nothing ever happened, still he is not considered to be dishonest, and he is not muhsa kafran. Because since the claim of the witnesses has no legal bearing, since they were not appointed as witnesses, and they cannot be expected to remember, his statement cannot be considered a contradiction to that. Allah Furthermore, the light aid, not only this, that in such a case he is not Hosa Kafram, but even if we have witnesses who are, uh, can testify explaining as to why he is now denying the claim. Even if the plaintiff hid witnesses, concealed them behind a fence. For Omarlay, and then in front of this fence, the plaintiff tells the defendant, you owe me a hundred. And Omarlahain, he answers, yes, I do owe you a hundred. And the plaintiff says, plainy, plainy. Is it your wish that these two people should become witnesses for, the, for this, that you owe me money, and they will be able to testify in court, naming these two people who are hidden behind the fence? And he answers, no, I don't want them to be witnesses. Perhaps you will bring me to judgment tomorrow. And I don't have anything to pay you. And then tomorrow you will bring me to court with these two witnesses. In such a case, he has explicitly stated that he is afraid of the witnesses. So, regardless of whether his claim was that I was fooling with you, that I did it as I was making the statement as a joke, or and even if he says later on in court that such a thing never happened, he merely takes a rabbinic oath and is exempt. Because there is no testimony over here that's denying him. Until the borrower explicitly appoints people and says, You are my witnesses. Or until the lender 
says in the presence of the leva, he says in the presence of the borrower that they are the witnesses and the, and the borrower is quiet. However, in this testimony is not considered to be dishonest kafrin, since we do not have an explicit appointment of Atem Edai. And now the Ramam substantiates this with a story. There's a story told in the Gemara about a person who was called Kav Rashay. Kav is a certain large measurement, as in Tisha Kavin, and the Rashay comes from Lashon Nesha, meaning that he owes. So Kav Rashay, meaning he owes, owes all sorts of debts. A person that was, that was greatly in debt. Which means to say that he has many debts. Omar, and he said, He made a statement, Who do I owe money to except for this person? Admitting that he owes money to this one person. Along comes this person he named and brings him to court. And this Kavrashay claimed that I don't owe him any money. Now what do we do in such a case? Here he made a clear admission that he owes money to this person. Later on he denies it. Is he Hulsa Kafrin? So the sages said no. They said Yeshava has his fee Let him take a rabbinic oath that he does not owe him any money and then he will be exempt. Because they were not ever appointed witnesses. And even though the, 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 he made a clear, unambiguous statement that he owes money to this person since he did not say, you be witnesses for me, he is exempt from payment. And he is not Hukhsakafrin. And so too in a case of where people said regarding a certain person that he has a lot of money. When he was about to die, he said, If I had money, wouldn't I pay back this person and that person, naming people that he owes money to? And he said, if he had the money, he would pay. And later on come this and this person who he named before he died, and they come to claim their money. They want either part of the estate or some money to compensate for this. And normally we say a person would not joke around at the time of death. And therefore we cannot claim for him posthumously that I was only fooling around. A person does not fool around at a time like this. After his death, along came these two people to claim in judgment their money. The sages said that they have no right whatsoever to the money. What is the explanation that he said that he owes money only to these people? Because it's a person often makes himself appear that he doesn't own a lot of money. And even though he's going to die, he wants it to appear that he didn't leave his children so much money so that they should be, so they should be bothered with his debts. So therefore we have an explanation as to why he said he owed this money. It could be inwardly he still holds that the money has not, is still owed, is still not working properly. But nevertheless, over here, he will not have to pay because we do not take a statement seriously for another reason. Because he was trying to show that he didn't have too much money. So too, any similar case where we have another explanation as to why the person said such a thing and there were not witnesses specifically appointed. And now the final halacha of the parak halacha ches. And this halacha the Ramam explains that all of these claims that a defendant could make and thereafter be believed, he himself must actually make them. He must make this statement. 
then even though he would have a valid claim, the court does not make these claims for him. He must explicitly state them. Even though the case we mentioned where one a person conceals witnesses, though this is not considered valid testimony. And so too where someone himself admitted and witnesses hear his statement, but the witnesses were not appointed as witnesses. And so too a person that tells someone else in front of witnesses, that my money, my hundred is in your hands, you owe me a hundred. And the person answered, yes, I do owe you the money. And in all of these cases, as we said in the previous halachas, he would not be hukhzakafran should these witnesses later on testify against him. Nevertheless, in any of these matters and similar to them, when they come to court, we tell the defendant, why don't you give him the money that you owe? Omar and if he says no, I don't owe him anything. The court tell, pushes him and tells him, Didn't you say such and such a thing in front of these these witnesses? Went mentioning the witnesses that would not really be giving valid testimony. or that you admitted yourself that you owe the money in their presence, even though the, the judges know that this would not be determining. Evidence. Nevertheless, they ask him for the explanation. Didn't you make the statement in front of these witnesses? So, in Omer Vashile Mutaf, should they repay immediately? Then that's best. But should he not make the claim which would exempt him? Then we do not make it for him. But should he make the claim and say that he was only joking? Or such a thing never ever happened. Or I did this with the intention of not making myself look rich. He is exempt and merely takes a rabbinic oath, as we explained previously.